It is time now for Making Sense of the Markets with Lori Pinkowski. Lori is a Senior Vice President and Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Genuity and joins us now. Good morning, Lori. Good morning, Simi. How are you on this sunny Vancouver day? It's lovely outside, isn't it? It is, it is. And markets have been fairly good over the past week. We, you know, ended November, the strongest November since 1987. So, you know, to expect a little bit of a lull over the last week is okay, I think. I think so too. Then so today, how are they doing? Yeah, markets are still flat. But again, you know, we've seen obviously markets um, move higher on the potential of vaccines. Uh, and of course, there's three of them now, and they're likely to be rolled out earlier than expected. I mean, I think the UK is even talking about next week. Uh, Canada will trail the US and the UK in terms of timing on receiving the vaccines, but still we're expecting it early 2021. Uh, what we've seen is, you know, markets uh, were led by economically sensitive stocks after that initial reaction of the vaccine news. And we saw sectors like technology and consumer discretionary kind of come down. But now we're seeing a rotation back into some of those names. So when I mentioned things like Apple, Lululemon, PayPal, uh, these are some of the positions that we even own in the portfolios. We've seen those really surge over the past week or two. And, and again, we expect markets to continue strong into year end. Uh, December is historic. Historically, a, a good month. I mean, you can't always go by seasonality, right. but December is positive 70% of the time. Uh, and again, we're still waiting any news on additional stimulus in the U.S., which would again likely fuel markets to continue higher. So we'll be waiting for that news as well. Okay. And what's the latest update on Canadian banks that have reported their earnings? Yeah, Canadian banks have started to report earnings this week, uh, both Bank of Montreal, Bank of Nova Scotia, and even TD this morning. I mean, what we're seeing is revenues are, are kind of down, uh, profits are slightly up, uh, where we're seeing weakness is personal and commercial banking, um, continue to be areas of weakness, um, where we're seeing improved uh, earnings is trading and, and investment banking. So we think that will continue. And again, the banks are still, for the most part, below pre-pandemic levels, not all, uh, but they've rallied a lot in the last month. And, you know, again, we haven't owned financials throughout most of this pandemic. Uh, we'll be looking at the sector again, maybe on some weakness. But again, remember, banks usually do well uh, when the economy is roaring ahead and interest rates are moving higher. Uh, and we're just not in that area at this point. But we've seen, obviously, a, a huge bounce off the bottom. So that's good news for Canadian banks as well. Okay, let's talk about the Canadian GDP numbers that came out this week and some fiscal stimulus. What has the reaction been like? Yeah, you know, the Canadian economy expanded at a record, uh, well, just shy of 9% uh, in the third quarter, uh, following an 11% drop, of course, uh, reflecting the reopening of the economy. Uh, the growth was mainly due to a substantial upturn in housing prices, consumer spending, and exports. Again, this is inf influenced by lower interest rates and stimulus. Um, and, uh, you know, while really positive, GDP was still 5% lower than a year ago. So we're obviously not uh, back to where we were. The Canadian government has also unveiled their plans uh, to spend as much as $100 billion more to ensure the pandemic's uh, economic scars aren't permanent. And again, this is good for the economy, but uh, again, where is this all going to lead? I mean, they're talking, uh, you know, our deficit is estimated to grow to over $400 billion next year, which is the highest relative to the economy since uh, World War II. So that's a huge number. And again, where is that going to uh, 
uh, where's the money to pay that off going to come from? And the fear is always higher taxes and all all sorts of different ways. And of course, uh, you know, most people are not fans of higher taxes. So so we'll have to wait and see and how this all unfolds over the next not just year, but right. two, three, four years and more. Okay, and let's talk about, you know, the importance of having a will in all of this, too, because I feel like if there's one thing, Lori, the pandemic has done, it has made a lot of people much more aware of their kind of fiscal situation, and in some cases, the kind of the precariousness of that. Yeah, definitely. People are more aware, um, you know, since the pandemic has started, we've had a lot of conversations with our clients about making sure that they have a will. I mean, um, you know, death and taxes are guaranteed, and not a lot of people like to sit at the you know dining room table discussing their will and death with their spouse or loved ones. But unfortunately, it's that conversation that you you have to get going and you have to put in place because uh, there's a lot of reasons why you need to have a will. Uh, one is you're deciding how your estate's going to be distributed. Remember, a will is a legally binding document, uh, and if you die without a will, there's no guarantee that your intended wishes will be carried out. Um, you know, the intention of the will is for the assets to be distributed smoothly during a time when, you know, there's a lot of emotions in your family. Um, when you pass away without a will, it means you've died in test state, uh, which means you've left no instructions as to how you want your property to be divided and distributed. And this can cause problems. You could have family members contesting the will. Uh, and we've seen that uh, in action. And that is no fun, I'm telling you. So you want to make sure that you do your part uh, before that day, unfortunately, comes. Again, you know, you're deciding who will wind up the affairs of your estate. So you appoint an executor. Uh, and they make sure all of your affairs are in order, including funeral arrangements, paying bills, all those sorts of things. And the executor will carry out duties and ensure that your assets are properly managed until your estate is distributed as well. So your investment portfolio and things like that, a lot of the time we're dealing with the executor uh, until uh, the assets are distributed. So, again, it's really important to have that communication, pick your executor. Not having an executor is no good. The courts are going to appoint someone to act uh, as the administrator to your estate, and you don't know who that person is, you know. Yeah. Um, also, you know, you want to make sure that you have decided who takes care of your minor children. Um, you don't want the public guardian to make those decisions. So obviously, that's a huge one, very important. Uh, so if you have that in your will, uh, then, the, you know, your executor is going to follow those wishes and things are going to be laid out as they should, especially how much your children are going to receive. And when they receive that money is also important. You may not want your minor children receiving a whole bunch of cash when they turn 19 years old. That might not be the best situation right. for your children, right? So, again, you need to make sure that this stuff is clear in, in your will uh, and again, avoiding a lengthy uh, probate process, too. I mean, everything through a will goes through probate, too. It just speeds it up if you have a will. Legal fees. A lot of people don't like paying legal costs uh, to create a will. I always say, you know, creating that will is going to be a lot less of a headache, but also lower costs for your family members in the long run if you have it clearly laid out. Right. And what are some other estate planning strategies that you would recommend, Lori? You know, these are quick and easy, but just making sure that for your RSP or your RIF or your tax-free savings account that you've named beneficiaries on, on all of those accounts. Uh, also, having contingent beneficiaries is a good idea. So this is where, say, you have your spouse and yourself or each other's beneficiaries, and then you have your children, uh, adult children, as contingent beneficiaries. It doesn't mean that uh, it's going to avoid taxes, but at least it avoids uh, probate and can be distributed faster. Also, the biggest question we get is holding assets in joint name with adult children. 
Um, a lot of people want to do this. It's really a personal conversation you need to have with a financial advisor. It's not always the best route just to avoid probate and to make sure that the assets are distributed quickly. Because remember, when you put things in joint name, those assets could be considered half of that other person's. And if they go through divorce or they're sued because of their job or because of something else, uh, you know, you could possibly lose some of those assets to uh, to that joint uh, account holder. So you just got to be careful with that. It's not that we say that you shouldn't. You just need to have that conversation with your financial advisor. So again, there's a lot of important things here. Uh, and just make sure that you have that open communication with your advisor. Make sure that they are pointing you in the right direction. They should be. This is a part of what we do. We don't just do investments and portfolio management. We also have to learn about, you know, the families we deal with and making sure that they have all their I's dotted and T's crossed in every situation. Right. Excellent. As always, Lori, thank you. Thanks so much, Simi. You have a great week. You too. That's Lori Pikowski, Senior Vice President and Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Genuity. Now you can contact the Pinkowski Wealth Management Team directly. Their number is 604-695-LORI, or you can visit their website at pinkowski.ca.